Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. Hello, and welcome to this podcast on the deployment of ecosystems in business to innovate better, faster, and grow your business very rapidly. In this podcast, I will explain how my co-author Peter Williamson and myself got interested in the topic of ecosystems, how that interest evolved over the years and led to a book that we recently published called The Ecosystem Edge. And I will then also share a few insights from the book. Let's go back 12 years in time. Uh, Peter and I were at that moment working at the University of Cambridge and on a nice afternoon, actually over a glass of uh, white wine, we discussed with each other our separate observations about how entrepreneurship was organized in Cambridge. It was slightly different from what we normally had read about it in Silicon Valley or other places with uh, significant entrepreneurship. Peter had just finished a case on a company called Arm, which is located in the vicinity of uh, Cambridge. And it's a company that you may not know uh, because they produce a product, risk processors, that is sort of built in in all kinds of uh, smartphones and other mobile devices. And I'm pretty sure that you are actually a customer of them in the sense that they have a very high market share in the market for risk processors for smartphones. If you're an iPhone user or a Samsung user, you definitely are a customer of them. And he observed that that company, while it was in a business that normally required a lot of investments in assets and manufacturing, had actually been able to become a major player, as I said, with a very high market share in the market for risk processes for smartphones. They had become a major player without actually big investments and staying a relatively small company by building up a network, and I will call it still a network here, of peers, of collaborators, of customers, without actually controlling them. So it was not a traditional supply chain. By the way, they were far too small for that because their customers are companies like Samsung, Huawei, Apple, and so on. I had actually observed that entrepreneurship in Cambridge was again organized in a network. There were less sort of outstanding, visible entrepreneurs that would get immediately the attention of the press. But there were lots of small companies and the CEOs or the leaders of these small companies were helping each other, were sitting in each other's board, were forming a network of companies that could work together with each other and perhaps deliver value together to a customer elsewhere in the world. We started looking around for Uh, other examples of that. And we found actually one that was at that time relatively new. That was the ecosystem that Apple had been able to build up to launch its iPhone. Apple traditionally was a company that was very closed, very inward looking, where all the innovation happened within the company. And suddenly with the smartphone, they had done something very, very different. They actually had opened up an ecosystem in which they delivered the platform, the iPhone, but where hundreds, thousands, ten thousands, maybe hundred thousands of app developers were actually rather independently developing 
applications for the smartphone. Steve Jobs, the late Steve Jobs, is known for having said in 2007, Apple lives in an ecosystem. It needs help from partners and it needs to help other partners. So we actually started looking around and say, have other people observed this elsewhere? And we found that in 1993, there was a, frankly speaking, in those days, rather obscure paper that was published in Harvard Business Review by Jim Moore about predators and prey, a new ecology of competition, and in which he had argued that companies can work in ecosystems. So once we had that insight and we looked at his definition, a business ecosystem is a network of organizations and individuals that co-evolve their capabilities and roles and align their investments so as to create additional value and or improve efficiency. This has probably gone too fast for you. Let me repeat three important elements of that definition. First of all, it's about creating additional value. Value that you could not create on your own or with your supply chain or with a hub and spoke system. Secondly, it's a network of organizations and individuals, not a contractual agreement, but it's like yeah, a biological ecosystem where partners live together, help each other. And then in that network, these organizations co-evolve their capabilities and role, and they align their investments. In other words, while they're independent from each other, they align themselves with each other. We actually then wondered, why would one do something like that? And then the answer was that ecosystems were probably better to help you innovate in a changing competitive environment. And we looked at the changes at the beginning of the 21st century, and we saw that in business, we were moving from standardized products and services that were produced in homogeneous volumes towards complex, customer-driven and integrated solutions. Secondly, in the old days, capabilities and knowledge were very often concentrated in a few large-scale locations. If you wanted to know something about electronics, you could go to Texas, California, or Japan, but the places where the knowledge was created were not that numerous. Today, relevant capabilities and knowledge are diverse and dispersed among potential players scattered around the globe. Thirdly, we live in a VUCA world. There's a lot more volatility and uncertainty, which means that, and that's the fourth observation, incumbents have more problems. Uh, they're threatened. There is not that much value in incumbency anymore in certain sectors. And finally, working in ecosystems, of course, requires a lot of communication between different partners. Communication was costly and difficult in earlier days, but with uh, the recent evolve, evolutions in uh, information and communication technology, we know that communication costs are falling, that bandwidth is available, and um, efficiency of communicating over electronic means is rising exponentially. So because of these changes in the environment, we saw that working in an ecosystem that lose network of partners that align their investments in order to create value has five clear advantages. First of all, like ARM, you can actually become big, reap economies of scale without having to make necessarily enormous capital investments. You can leave that to your partners. Secondly, you can leave the complementary assets 
in the hands of your ecosystem partners. But of course, if you want to lead an ecosystem, you also have to have to offer something. You have to have your own assets that contribute to the ecosystem. Thirdly, contrary to an organization within your, within your company, ecosystems have a self-organizing element. Of course, that self-organization won't happen unless you have an overall architecture that you have to provide. Fourthly, ecosystems are very flexible. The configuration of the ecosystem can change. New partners can join and others can exit. And just by working in such a network that can be very international with very diverse partners, you, of course, have access to a greater pool of knowledge. Based on our observations in Cambridge, but then also a number of other case studies that we wrote, we published in 2012 a paper in California Management Review where we basically say there are six keys to unlock that ecosystem advantage. Quickly, the six are the following. First of all, you must make sure that you pinpoint the added value that you create by working in an ecosystem. Secondly, you're going to work with many different partners. As an ecosystem leader, you need to make sure that you structure the different roles of these partners and that they remain differentiated. You need to stimulate complementary partner investments. Necessarily within a network like that, there will be a lot of transaction costs. People have to interact with each other. So the fourth key is reducing the transaction cost. The fifth one is enabling flexibility and co-learning. Ensure that there's enough openness in the system so that you learn together. And then sixth, you must make sure that everybody feels relatively happy in an ecosystem, that they see that from the ultimate value that is created, that they get some part of it. In other words, you have to engineer value mechanisms that are considered to be equitable to all partners in the ecosystem. But you know, Peter and I, we taught quite a few executive development programs. We worked with companies and in the beginning, we tried to convince them of the value of an ecosystem in order to innovate within that VUCA world. But after a while, the questions started changing. After a while, people would say in our programs, but Prof, we believe you that an ecosystem is valuable. Tell us how to build one, how to manage one. And while we had these six keys to unlock the ecosystem advantage, we didn't have too many stories about how to really build and develop and grow and monetize an ecosystem. So we looked for other cases and we were lucky to find quite a few interesting cases, such as that of Amazon uh, Web Services, which has a dominant market share of around 30% in cloud services. That of the financial information department of Thomson Reuters that was then later on spun off as Refinitiv and which was bought by the London Stock Exchange in August of 2019 for 27 billion US dollars. We also found a very interesting case in the transformation that The Guardian, a fairly old newspaper based in Manchester originally, how they had been able to transform in the face of the disruption that happens in the media industry and have been able to build a very successful global news site that ranks ahead of the Wall Street Journal and the BBC. And we also looked at cases of Dassault Systeme, which is a French software company 
the Alibaba group in China, which is a very successful example of how you build an online retail group uh, with a uh, very, very extensive ecosystem. And that led us to writing a book that has been published recently on the ecosystem edge. And the subtitle of that book is Sustaining Competitiveness in the Face of Disruption. This is, of course, not a place to go into the details of the book. You can look at the book itself, or perhaps at a later stage, you can attend some of the sessions that we will organize at SMU about this topic. But we looked in the book at how to start and grow an ecosystem, how to find your foundation customers, how to overcome the inefficiencies and the transaction costs that inevitably happen in an ecosystem, or how to monetize your contribution to an ecosystem. One of the points I want to draw your attention to at the end of this podcast is that also leading in an ecosystem is different from leading in an other type of company or organizational structure. The mindset of a successful CEO of an uh, ecosystem leader must have four elements. That is, first of all, a very strong belief that there is an opportunity to create new value for potential customers. Secondly, a very deep conviction that no single company can unlock the value opportunity acting alone. Thirdly, a focus on attracting, engaging and motivating people who are not necessarily your employees because they work in other companies, but you still have to motivate them, you still have to engage them. And fourthly, a relentless focus on growing the size of the overall ecosystem pie, the value that you create for customers, so that you have something to distribute. Now, of course, if you work in a network with peers, the traditional command and control leadership will, won't work. You need to apply the rules of what we call collaborative leadership. In other words, you have to listen both to those within your organization and other organizations and listen to weak signals. You have to adapt and encourage and nudge the ecosystem to respond flexibly to certain uncertainty. You have to influence people. You can't command them. And you have to collaborate or getting things done through a community of peers. But we argue in the book that you need actually to go beyond traditional collaborative leadership. You actually need to understand how to lead beyond your organization. How to build consensus and ensure that a wider group of peers will take ownership of most of the decisions you will make. As the CEO of the ecosystem leader, you must be a very, very active networker. And for everybody in the network, become a trusted source of knowledge and of information that others may not have yet spotted in the ecosystem. And finally, in an ecosystem, a network of peers, of companies that work together with each other, there will be conflicts. There will be trade-offs to be made. There will be dilemmas. You as an ecosystem leader, you need to embrace diversity and dilemmas while at the same time develop an overarching identity and goal for the ecosystem. You need to be ambidextrous. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this podcast. We tell you that ecosystems are a very good way of organizing yourself if you have to innovate in face of strong disruption, and if you have to build size very quickly. I hope that with some of the ideas that I have given you, you will succeed 
in the face of the current crisis. Thank you.